Hey, welcome back to another exciting episode of Spellstorm Miniatures. My name is Jeremiah. I'm Dan. And I'm Chad. And uh, we are a show about miniature war games, including War Machine and Hordes by Privateer Press. Our goal here is simply to inspire you to play more. Hey, gentlemen, it's good to chat with you again today. Uh, we have an exciting topic today to talk about, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, and it's good to be recording again, uh, you know, on, on the regular. Um, before we get to our big topic, which I'm calling Extra Crispy Tenders. Yeah. And, uh, and, there's a reason, <laughs> and there's a reason for that. I saw so that. <laughs> I got a story that goes with that. Okay. <laughs> um, but before we get there, before we get to that topic, uh, have you guys played any games lately? Not I. This is all you two. It's been a, <laughs> a week of just taking care of stuff, cleaning, getting back ready for school starting up. But, yeah, no. that's right. Yeah, um, it, was, it, it was a quick turnaround from our last episode to this one. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I haven't gotten to play very many games other than um, some more, a couple more games of Commander and a game, a couple more games of King's Dilemma. Um, the one person, Michael, that uh, my roommates and I have been playing King's Dilemma with the last few weeks, came over uh, New Year's Eve night. Um, he was going to bring his fiance, but she wasn't able to make it because she had to work on New Year's Day. So he came over. We played a couple games of Commander, and we were trying to decide what to do and. All of us were kind of like, eh, I don't really care. And one person was like, I mean, we can play King's Dilemma. It's right there. And it's like, do you want to play? He's like, I don't really care. It's like, it kind of sounds like you want to play. He's like, I don't really care. I was just putting it out there. We're like, no, it sounds like you want to play it. So let's just play it. So <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, care if we play, but it's, it's, it's right there if we want to open it up. I mean, it's exactly. really play, but you know. <laughs> um, so we played a couple more games of that. So we're up to like, we're up to like almost 10. 10 sessions in and I think I we finally got so there's there's a spot on the side of the board for uh, different stories that are happening and there's like five different sections basically and the way that you finish the the way that you get towards the end game is you complete one of those story sections that's on the side of the board uh, and it has you put a secret sticker from the back of the rules book onto another area and when you get one story completed for each one of those little areas on the side of the board, that's when it triggers the end of the game. And I think we're about halfway through the stickers. I think we've gotten three of six and okay. we just got, we just started uh, a storyline for the final one that we hadn't started yet. All of the other sections have stories started and going on them with reoccurring um, storyline dilemmas that continue what's happening based off of the different decisions and things like that. And so we finally got the last one. So we're like finally starting to move into some of the final stages of, um, of the game as we move to kind of like the last probably about probably about five to seven more playthroughs, I think, before we finish it. So wow. it's been interesting. It's been a lot of fun. It's a really cool game. So uh, if you like uh, if you've got a play group that can play kind of consistently, uh, that likes political voting uh, legacy games, I highly recommend checking out King's Dilemma. It's super cool. Nice. 
Well, I've been sort of, you know, tracking as you've been talking about it. It might be one that I'll eventually want to pick up and play. So, yeah. yeah, cool. And it doesn't really like, I think some other legacy games, the game kind of gets more quote unquote difficult as the game goes on like pandemic legacy for example as as the game goes there are times where you can lose characters or lose cities and things like that because of something that previously happened and this doesn't really have that um actually kind of as you go on the houses gain a little bit more and more power as you um have more positive and negative stickers that affects some of your resources you get at the start of the game, some of the different goals that are on your house board. Um, Like, so one of the games, one of the, uh, one of the things that I have for my uh, house is um, if I complete three games or every time you complete a game that has one of these things, um, you put, you fill in a little box. And then when you fill the final one, then you get the bonus. So the one that I've completed is the um, if the knowledge resource is the highest resource at the end of the game, I fill in a box. And after I get three of those, I get this bonus. One of them gives me a prestige right away, which helps determine basically like the power of my house at the start of the game. Uh, and then at the beginning of every game, I get two extra gold that you can use to make uh, bribes and barters and deals and things like that. Or there's other times where you're using your money uh, for some sort of an event in the game. So yeah. that's like one of the cool things. And all of those different little uh, goal things on the boards is different for every house. Everyone has their own goals, their own objectives that they're trying to go after. So as time has gone on and we've unlocked some of these things through various things happening, we're, we're all getting stronger as the game goes rather than the game getting more difficult uh, from like Pandemic Legacy. Yeah. That's definitely a different way of rules design yeah 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 i um this last week uh a bunch of commander still it was it was christmas break you know the for the winter break or whatever and um and so the boys have been really deep in commander and um but then we did get one game uh frostgrave in and we decided that we would actually uh, go back and create all new level one wizards. Mm. And so I picked a school that I haven't uh, generally played a lot, and that's the Soothsayer. And so um, and so it was kind of fun to be able to, uh, to do that. And I also hired differently in my warband because um, one of the things that Oz does is he spams like barbarians and treasure hunters, which all have plus four fight uh, mm. to begin with. And so it's fun to be able to actually consider fighting him back. <laughs> um, that's how I get Cla- so classic much. Oz wants to be a bully in the game. <laughs> I'm trying to play scenario, and he just wants to kill my guys. Yep. So I ended up I, five of my guys ended up dying, and Oof. I had to roll on the death table for them, and and none of them gained. Uh, none of them died permanently nor any of them gain um, a permanent injury. So, Oh, that's good. Yeah, I got really lucky there. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So uh, I'm a big fan of Frostgrave. And, and I imagine as we, as we pivot to our main topic, uh, I'm probably going to uh, invoke the name of Frostgrave a few times in our conversation yeah. today. I would but, imagine. Um, but here's the story. So... 
so Oz and I, uh, whenever I want something from him, I, I need to bribe him with food. And so uh, we, we had to go run an errand and then, and then we had to, and then we had to go to the storage, the, uh, place, you know, to get our Christmas uh, bins back. So we were going to de-Christmasing the house, you know what I mean? And so, uh, so we've been out for a few hours and we, and it's around a meal time. And so we decided to roll through Kentucky fried chicken. And so we're going through the dar- the drive through there and he sees the sign and he goes, extra crispy tenders, you know? And, and like, and like, he doesn't have a context. He doesn't realize that, that, no, no, no. There's like original recipe. There's crispy, and then there's extra crispy tenders. You know, and so we had this whole conversation about KFC chicken. Um, but when I think about rules, and which is what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about you know, um, first we're going to get some definitions, but um, uh, but rules sometimes can be described as as crunchy. And we've, we've all played a lot of games that we would describe as cr- as crunchy. And in some games, we would even describe as extra crispy, extra yeah. crunchy. So, um, but we want to talk about that today. And, and we want to kind of do a little compare and contrast and, and see the, the merits of, of, of rule sets and, and design, game design and things like that. But before we get there, like, we should, we should probably figure out um, what words we want to use to talk about what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Well, so. and also, also too, to keep in mind that this isn't necessarily just restricted to only miniatures games. Um, a lot sure. of the stuff that we'll talk about is probably going to um, also uh, fall into like differences between role-playing systems and stuff like that. So, yeah. yep. um, you know, think about the discussion as you think about some of your own games, um, you know, listeners moving forward and, and kind of think to yourself too, like what, what do you think makes a game like more crunchy or um, like a lighter, easier experience? So um, yeah. crunchy is kind of the primary term that I think we'll, we'll be throwing around a lot. And I, th- when I think of it personally, I think of something that is more complex. Um, it's not quite as simple. Um, okay. A crunchy rule system usually has a lot of, uh, a lot of little layers or a lot of little things that you're kind of bookkeeping um, and and having to keep track of to add all together before you get to um, a final ability check or a final rules re- uh, resolution or something like that. Yeah, I like that. I kind of agree along that. Um, I love how you know you're throwing air quotes on the country. Great. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Great, <laughs> great radio for crunchy. Every, yeah. Everyone can see me doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Use your, imagi- Use your imagination. Time. We're still kids. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's what I was kind of thinking of too when I thought of like crunchy is like like you said, a lot of bookkeeping, a lot of tracking. There's a lot going on. You can even think of it a lot of number crunching, right? Mm-hmm. You've got you've got things and and totals to keep track of, and there's multiple layers before you actually know, like you said, the result. Yeah. Yeah. So I think another term that falls along in with that is probably min-maxing, which a lot of people may use as describing people's style of character yeah. creation, which is minimum input for maximum output. Um, yeah. Kind of most bang for your buck is kind of the same similar idea that. Although I, I think would that say, probably. Yeah, I, I would say that min-maxing is more of a player thing 
ver yeah. versus a, a rule set thing. But, but I think some I think, I think when sets... it comes to my working definition for crunchy, I think, mm -hmm. is how many times do I have to flip the rule book to figure out what I'm doing here? <laughs> and so yeah. <laughs> if I have to keep flipping like to find this rule set embedded in this rule, embedded in this rule, embedded in this rule. Yeah. You know, if I have to if I have to have four books to figure out how to do this one thing, um, I'm gonna call that it kind of crunchy. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So like you say, and, and crunchy and uh, and another you know like tight rule system can be a little bit different. So yeah, I'd say yeah, tight well, rule and necessarily crunchy. Um, just a, uh, just yeah. a definition will probably be thrown around is crunchy, tight, loose. You know, <laughs> light rules. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, I think a tight rule set. Um, or something that is a tight, I was about to do air quotes again. Um, something that is a tight rule set is probably kind of along the lines of uh, precision is key or precision yeah. is king, where something that's loose is a little bit probably like kind of more narrative attributed or it's a little bit more kind of like flexible as far as what you can do based off of a certain situation. Um, a lot of scenarios in some role-playing games uh, like D&D or other things, some certain scenarios within um, for like ability checks, for example, can have kind of a, a loose application or a looser application. Whereas other things of like, if I hit someone with a sword, um, it's a very kind of tight application of like, this is, this is the thing that it's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think crunchy and light represents like one axis and yeah. then tight and loose represents another axis. Like you can have a crunchy rule set that's really tight, mm -hmm. but you can also yeah. have a crunchy rule set that's loose and like, yeah. like really ambiguous, you know? And, and so, um, yeah, I, well, yeah, we'll be, I think if, if we use those four words and then kind of, and kind of, give a working definition as we use those words and I think we can have this conversation. Yeah. And I like that definition. Like I said, you have the four quadrants where are you kind of landing in those? Yeah. Um, yeah. We could say most games kind of do. So I said, yeah, crunchy is a lot of our numbers. Tights kind of our, our very specific rule sets. This happens, this happens. There's like little interpretation of rules, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, light we're going with, you know, so, okay, so loose rules, I guess, would be the op opposite of the tight rules, right? So our loose rules are a lot of interpretation. Um, like I think of Munchkin when I think about something like that. It always says, if you can't agree on a rule, just argue about it. Yeah. Uh, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe there's a, there's a lot more interpretation to the rules. Sounds right to you guys. Like the rule set's yeah. there. It's not necessarily crunchy or it's not necessarily light, but there's a lot of open-ended questions to it. Right. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that makes um, a, a rule set tight is if they use a word like a keyword, it has yeah. the same meaning in every context. And yeah. so, if you if you read this word or this ability, and it, and it means the same thing in every and all the time, I feel like that's a tight rule set. Yeah. I've read rule books where they've used a word, and on one page it's bold, the next page it's it's not bold. And it almost has two different meanings, you know, yeah. or or capitalized or whatever. It just depends on the editing, um, on how they are form how they want to format the rules. But um, but I think um, I think consistency um, helps to make a tighter rule set as well. There you go. Yeah. So, right. well, let's, 
let's talk about this crunchy thing. What what makes a rule set crunchy, uh, in your opinion? Like, let's flesh it out a little bit more. Um, uh, I guess an example that I think of as a as like a crunchy RPG is um, Shadowrun, for example, is is kind of yeah. thought of or. 3.5 D&D um, was also considered and the original Pathfinder considered to be very crunchy rule systems. Uh, and I think some of that has to do with the amount of different things that you're bookkeeping, um, the little intricacies of the way that rules interact with uh, each other um, yeah. and the complexities there. Uh, one of the reasons why uh, I think it's um, availability availability of access of different abilities. So like if you have a lot of different things that you can do with a character and designing the character and the abilities you want them to have, uh, I think it can make the system more crunchy, especially when those abilities start um, piggybacking onto other abilities, having prerequisites of, oh, you have to have this other ability in order to gain this one. And in yeah. order to have that one, you have to have a certain strength stat or something like that. Uh, and then also just the amount of like different abilities and things like that. I always remember um, playing three five, and over on the side of the sheet, there's the long list of all the different abilities that you could put points into, uh, and that always felt very complex to me because you would have multiple rules that would be kind of similar, but they're still different. So like climbing and swimming, you would think would be kind of similar, but they're not. Uh, use rope and sleight of hand you would think would be kind of similar but they're not uh and one of the differences going in the way that that changed in 3.5 uh to fifth edition of DD is a lot of those abilities kind of got collapsed into the same thing so you don't have um swim or climb or perform well you have perform um use rope stuff like that they kind of fall into uh like perform investigation athletics versus dexterity like and you kind of use your interpretation of what action it is that you're doing to determine which ability you should use rather than just having a strict i have a 52 in rope climbing it's like when I, um i think that the the diversity of different abilities can be a, a strong attribute to whether or not a, a system is crunchy if you have a lot of different things that you can do and a certain path that you kind of have to follow sometimes. Yeah, definitely all those things to keep track of. Um, I was thinking yeah. in the miniature world, of course, we go to like War Machine Hordes. I yeah. think of it as very crunchy because you can have a lot to keep track of. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And they just introduced what a new uh, CID rule for uh for one of the uh crucible guard oh yeah they uh, do crucible units. guard army you have three right. numbers that you can choose to assign your yeah. speed yeah. your strength or your mat mat yeah. what it is yeah that's fun <laughs> you know, just hey, i'm gonna this turn i'm gonna be speed seven yeah this yeah turn, i'm gonna be speed six <laughs> yeah. start with game with speed eight get up the field and then you won't have to worry about it because you're never going to be speed eight again you know but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like I said, you know, there's just so much to keep track of, you know, in the D&D, &D, you're saying like three, five, um, a lot of different abilities to do. You know, I think I said, I think War Machine Hordes, there's the rolling of the dice. You may not be doing too much math because you're rolling, you add your mat to your dice, then you compare 
it's maybe not as that, but like I said, you have so many tokens you're dealing with, right? So many different factors to deal with. Does that unit have stealth? Does that unit, you know, have a good defensive ability? Um, do I have multiple wounds on this character? Do I have a prey token or a whatever token? You know, all sorts of things, right? You know, how much yeah. focus or fury do I have on these beasts? Like you have tokens everywhere, right? Yeah. And so I would kind of I would I would bring that into kind of a crunchy feel is there's just so much going on. Yeah. One of the things though, I guess counterpoint is um is the like the combat action that's required in in war machine and hordes is is pretty simple yeah it's roll to attack roll your damage and yeah. then the defense the defender can roll for tough or some other you know if they, if they have that ability and stuff yeah it's it's only two rolls or mm -hmm. like when you compare it to like 40k you know you're gonna roll a bunch to hit then you roll a bunch to wound, hopefully, because hopefully you hit yeah. a bunch, right? And then the defender is going to roll a save, and then at the end of the round they're going to roll a morale, you know, yeah. and and they're going to have to keep track of all that stuff throughout the round, you know, as well. And so, um, I mean, I think I think every game has things that they need to keep track of. Yeah, uh, it's just how is it organized, and and how much of it is is crucial to the to the gameplay i don't know yeah well and i think um i'm glad that you both brought up the dice rolling as an attribute of making attacks um mm -hmm. because this is also something that i thought about and i consider when you when you look at the rules and things like that personally i feel like um the Dice rolling for making attacks in War Machine and Hordes is more simple, but the complexities of making sure that you get buffs in place, uh, debuffs in place, making sure you're using either the correct type of attack or the correct type of unit that maybe specializes more in melee attacks versus ranged attacks against you know the target that you're targeting. Um, those are all crunchy in the aspect of making sure that everything lines up properly, but then your resolution of the attack is usually one or two dice rolls. Whereas in 40K, um, I feel like that resolution of the rolls is more time consuming because it's a lot of rolling back and forth, but I feel like that resolution is um, also kind of more loose or uh, more lax because instead of trying to do math of dice averages and things like that, you really, you want the opposite. You want spikes, you want high rolls all the time. Whereas in War Machine, you don't want that. And bringing in the dice, the dice math um, and averages and things like that are, are two very different things when you look at those two different games. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you can very easily just look at a unit in Warhammer 40k and say, oh, their weapon skill is three plus. So I just roll all of these dice and everything yeah. that's a three up hits autumn like and then you move into the wounding stage. Whereas in War Machine, you have to kind of you have to do the math of, OK, I'm a mat six against the defense 14. I need to roll an eight on two dice. How can I make that better so that I don't have to roll an eight? I can make this resolution easier and more concise or more consistent. Okay. Uh, whereas, you know, it's, it's um, 
quality over the quantity with 40k it's very much like you're chucking handfuls of dice that is a common thing that is said about warhammer all the time is that you just you're chucking lots of dice and it's really kind of that throw as many as you can and and hope for the best because you're kind of it's a more simplistic um what it is you're trying to get in order to hit an attack yeah well, and you're talking about those buffs and debuffs and stuff, having those in place. I yeah. think um, I think that's uh, how each game handles those is is different, yeah. um, and and how and how that gets organized. So, like for example, uh, War Machine has cards for each one of their characters, and you know there's stuff on the front and there's stuff on the back, and and one of the things that I really appreciate about um, the third edition of Malifaux is the if they have they have the same thing. They have cards with information on the front, information on the back. Uh, the way that they organize their cards and the way that they simplify um, certain abilities that that crews can do based on their keyword and things like that, it's very easy for you to look at the front of the card and know what this character is about. Yeah. And then you flip over to the back and you know what kind of actions they can take, and um, and so how you communicate the information is key. Um, you can have, you know, like I would call Malifaux, I think I would call Malifaux a pretty tight rule set. Yeah. And I think I would, um, because, you know, it, it's pretty clear about what it does. Uh, the pronouns, like, or like when it says you, you know what you're doing, right? Kind of thing. Um, and then, um, but I would also say, that uh, the actual gameplay is light, yeah. Just just because it's, I go, you go. Hey, I have a certain number of actions. You have certain number of actions. You know, it's the complexity falls in the depth of the game, not in the actual rule yeah. set. You know. Yeah, I'd kind of agree with you there too. Is I was thinking about Malifaux, I was a little undecided because it's it's semi. Semi crunch is a, it lifts it a little bit just from the uh, like the scheme markers. You're tossing scheme markers here mm-hmm. and there, like you said, the alternating activations, you know, plus kind of simplicity of rules on them is like you said tight. I'll agree, and then it's it's a bit on the lighter side. I would agree on that as well. Well, and I, you just brought up something else too. So all of the games that we're talking about, they have their core rule set you know, that this is how you play the game. And then each model or or, or, or data sheet or whatever, if you're talking about 40K, you know, uh, each unit has has like what they can do. But then there's like a third element to a lot of these games. And that is like their, um, their competitive pack. So, um, you know, so like War Machine, you know, what do we have? We have the Steamroller. Malifaux has Gaining Grounds. Infinity has ITS, mm-hmm. and and so when you start adding those that other layer to it, then it's like okay, here's how to play the game, here's how to use your models in that game, and now you have to try to fit it into this to this format, yeah. play on these scenarios, go, good luck, and so um, yeah. and so there's some of that stuff's pretty crunchy. Like some of like I think the hardest thing about Infinity is is list building and and playing in the scenarios like that's challenging and it's like i don't know how to build a list i still don't know how to build this. I just throw models together and, but i know how to but i know how to play the game like i know how 
my actions work and I can read, you know, the profile of, of a character and I can, I can very know what they do. You know what I mean? But infinity has a whole host of skills too, that, uh, and things that, um, make it really complex. Yeah. I was going to say infinity to me was yeah, on the, uh, on the tighter side, but also a bit, a bit crunchier, like you said, cause there are a lot of, interactions to do and the fact that you know it's always your turn right is kind of their tagline you can you can fire back i haven't checked out n4 so i'm just basing off of n3 but um yeah i would agree that it's a little bit more crunchy but then it's it's not as super much to keep track of as some games can be um oh no yeah infinity is good in terms of like like you everything on the table you know exactly what's happening and there's yeah. like you know yeah it's easy to, it's easy to stay on top of it right um, we're like a lot of times in Malifaux or or in war machine or, or even even 40k i'll forget something's like something's in play mm-hmm. like i'll forget this and i'm like oh you know and it you know it's like ah, i shouldn't have done that you know what i mean because there's just so much to keep track of both on your yeah. side of the table and your opponent's side yeah well, and that's always also another uh, another layer to complexity for games is um, how deep is the catalog? If you're talking about miniature games, how many deep? How True. deep is the catalog of different miniatures, uh, and how many different factions are there? Um, different styles of play. Remembering all of that stuff that's always been one of the larger barriers of entry uh, for War Machine and Hordes is it's very difficult. It's easy to learn the rules of the game and learn what it is your faction does or how they play. But then yeah. remembering what everyone else does um, and how everyone else plays is another one of the complexities that adds to it. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Um, I like you bring up the catalog, and yeah, yeah, there's hundreds of models in some games. Again, we're just talking about Infinity, yeah. War Machine, Malifaux. I mean, Malifaux, there might not be as much as those other two, but you know, 40K, I'm sure just, you know, thousands of models, right? Almost, right? But, um, in somewhat of that vein, and just because I have BattleTech on the mind, I was thinking about BattleTech, and I mean you can oh, build man. your, next, you know, so many different ways, right? But would that BattleTech crunch- makes my brain hurt. Yeah, <laughs> but to me, it's That's the epitome of crunch, crunch right there. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was I was a little bit debated on uh, BattleTech being crunchy or not. What do you guys think? Kind of. Uh, so I like it is. Think so? What do you think, Chad? Um, I I have very little interaction. I haven't actually read the rules. The majority of the stuff that I have seen, I've seen um, secondhand. You know, basically, I've I've seen people playing it. There's a regular group that used to come into the store of about five or six people that would come in for a couple of hours, play a game. Uh, but so the reason why um, it looks very crunchy to me, for example. Um, Seeing the amount of dice that they have, different coloring for dice, uh, listening to them resolve attacks that are doing, that are using specific weapons that do certain amounts of damage, uh, and the fact that every single one of the mech sheets has a chart and tracking for <laughs> where things are damaged, how likely do you are to hit in certain places. Now that those things are damaged, how does that affect the way that your yep. mech continues to work? Uh, and it's been put very simply is like 
Battletech is the miniatures game that plays like a simulation. Uh, it is yeah. very precise. It is very crunchy. Yeah. Uh, it is very deep in the construction of even just a single Mac, um, as far as if you're customizing it to do certain things. And so uh, I would agree. I hadn't even thought about Battletech when I was preemptively thinking about these different things, but I think Battletech is probably one of the pinnacles of a definition of a crunchy miniatures game as far as the amount of work that goes into even just building a list, um, but playing a game, there's just so much more to it. Yeah. And I would agree with you. It's, it's so math intensive. Um, their tracking is easy. Um, and I always, you know, there's the old trick, uh, of using two different colored dice on your, on your mech for if you jumped ran because they have different modifiers of just using mm -hmm. two different dice to see attack modifier versus defense modifier. Um, early trick I learned way on helps a lot, but you're all compact into a sheet. So you don't have a bunch of tokens on the table, but yeah, you have just math, math, more math. <laughs> yeah. And you know, well, and I'm, and I'm watching these guys sit there with basically like a stack of paper for all their mechs that's yep. like clipped together in the corner that they're just like constantly flipping back and forth through. And I'm just like, like Oh my gosh, my head is spinning. I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> Yeah, well, it also, it also probably uh, goes to to kind of attribute to it is one of the guys that is part of that group uh, is a he's an aerial mechanic engineer. He's going to school and working at the Hillsborough Airport in their aviation to be to be uh, an airplane mechanic. And he's like, I love this stuff. Like, this is yeah. this is exactly what I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can hook. The rules aren't that complicated, too. It's just like you said. It's it can get very very crunchtastic, right? Yeah. Well, uh, one other thing I wanted to post to you guys um, as kind of a difference, or uh, another thing to talk about as far as like what is crunchy or uh, or what is tight and loose uh, as part of a rule system is. Um, how do you guys feel that movement, just moving your pieces around the battlefield, affects whether or not a game is crunchy or loose? That's a good question. <laughs> because uh, as I've been getting into Infinity, um, you know, every profile has their move stat is two numbers. So mm -hmm. a common move stat would be 4-4. And and so a movement is is uh, a short movement skill is something you can do. And so you can move, move as you know, move four inches, move four inches as part of one um, one order. And, and at any point during their short movement skill, your opponent uh, could trigger an ARO, you know, uh, an automatic reaction order or something. I forget what the A stands for, but um, but if so, if one of their guys sees you move at any point during those four inches, you know, they could take a shot at you. And, and like moving, I feel like, yeah, even a, as terrain intense as, as infinity boards can be, um, infinity tables can be, um, I feel like moving is the hardest part of the game, you know, <laughs> like, you know, because I always want to move and not get shot. But yeah. the reality, being able to move, don't we all? Hard. <laughs> yeah. We also got to take into account with infinity is it's not just four inches straight forward back. It could be up a ladder, right? Exactly. 
So you may move yeah. two inches forward and then two inches up a building, and that's your four inches um, leaving you on a ladder. So it yeah. gets more complicated. Um, no, yeah, I, I agree. Some movement does play a role. Um, again, War Machine hordes, I think, you know, some of those, uh, they use the inches and you move across. Whereas you look at um, MCP, I think it's a little bit of a mix, uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol, because they have anywhere on that stick, wherever it bends and touches. And then you have the simpler, um, you know, Riot Quest or even Battletech again to that extent where you're this hex based or uh, Underworld right is a hex based. Yeah. Whereas three squares, okay, or three hexes, boom, I'm going to move my three hexes. Right. You're not as bogged down into what you can. Rough terrain, for example, is that terrain rough or not? Do you have things that ignore movement modifiers and everything's like that? Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean and that was. Play. Yeah. That was kind of what I thought of as my as the difference is like uh, a movement system that requires precise movement um, or as precise as possible through the usage of tape measures or measuring sticks a lot of times um, that is varied in uh, in inches I think is adds more complexity to a game uh, whereas yeah. a game that is hex based or square movement based. Um, even just something simple, like as as simple as it can get, Monopoly, you you roll the number of dice, you move that many squares, you can only go forward. That's yeah. a very, very simple rule or movement mechanic, whereas you bump up to something like Riot Quest or um, even like God Tier, where it's hex-based movement and you can move yeah. a certain number of spaces, but you can go in any direction. Or even Chests uh, is kind of the next one after that. Or maybe it's in between, because only certain pieces can go backwards, whereas in chess, you know, most pieces can only move forward, or some pieces can only move forward. Um, and again, square-based. And then you get to some other ones like War Machine and Hordes, or uh, Warhammer 40k, where you have movements that are in inches of up to a certain amount. Yeah. Yeah. Or Song of Fire and Ice, Conquest, uh, let's, you know, rank-and-file yeah. games. You know, even yeah, more complicated. Okay. I th so I, 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 I think speak to these two real quick. So like sure. the when it comes to uh, War Machine and Hordes, the anytime a base stat like your movement gets changed is like a weird thing. That like say charging is your move plus three inches, mm -hmm. and then running is up to you know twice your movement, right? Um, yeah. And a normal move is just a regular move, but like your speed. I, I, we should I'm probably using the technical terms here, but but like the concept of charging was actually one of the most difficult things to like to weigh to like to 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 get and then to weigh. And now, like you know, I charge all the time, and it makes sense, and it's no big deal. Um, um, but it was like this weird, why am I, why my speed plus three, why plus three? That's pretty arbitrary. You know what I mean? Mm. And the hardest thing about, uh, about song lights and fire. And when it comes to movement is when your trays overlap. Yeah. Cause they, cause you, you do the rotate and then, or you're the pivot and then you can advance your, your number of inches. And it, it, conceptually, it doesn't make sense to me that I could overlap any other tray before I take my, my inches, like in, in the pivot. And, um, and so that was like, that blew my mind when, when I realized that you could do that. 
And I was like, this, this seems kind of abstract for me, you know, and that, that was a challenge. That's a challenge when it comes to, you know, moving on the board. Yeah. Well, and I think also just the, just the simple thing of the difference between individual models and movement trays is I, I, in my experience, it felt like the guesstimation in the ability to close a distance with a movement trait compared to an individual model um, was something that I struggled with a lot when playing Song of Ice and Fire was just the way that the measurements all change as soon as you start pivoting to yeah. go towards a certain direction. And the, um, the difficulty in preemptively trying to measure that, it's really easy to measure um, off of the center of a model uh, that has a round base, uh, but you get into something that's rectangular where there's different lengths on different sides. You, it's kind of difficult to measure from, uh, from the correct part to be able to guess, uh, without physically moving it and, and seeing yeah. it. Um, and that is another kind of different complexity. Yeah. Agreed. So, so I think we got a good definition. <laughs> What's that? I think we got a good definition of kind of crunching and some examples in there. Yeah, yeah we got, yeah. Uh, it's a, you know, it's kind of a, it's a debate that you see periodically show up on the discords and on Facebook and stuff. Um, what kind of games do you, do you personally prefer? I guess it depends on what you're going for, right? Like, are you, are you trying to, go to a competitive scene i think or are you trying to you know just hang out with your buddies have a drink or have some conversation while playing right catch up because if i'm playing war machine or something it's hard to be like yeah so you know telling a story or friday oh by the way this guy's doing this, and then oh this is gonna happen and so yeah what we did was it's hard to go back and forth on it right you can't really have a a good conversation with somebody and be be playing that i think um Whereas some other games, right, will will be a little bit easier for that again, um, and and other times, I think I kind of like a crunchy game on a competitive side because to me there's less, usually less. Um, uh, yeah, how do I word that? Not necessarily less, less barrier, but randomness. Less stuff open to interpretation. Yeah, um, and maybe that's a little bit difference between tight and tight and loose rules, but with the crunchy side, there's a there's sometimes a higher level of almost competitiveness. You have to build a skill, right? You really have to take time to get a skill set up to be able to do that math, especially if you're on the clock, because then you have to do that math and those workings and those calculations quickly, all the tracking, everything else going on. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of my thought is it, you know, crunchy is a little bit more on the competitive side. So if I'm kind of doing that, um, although there is so much to keep track of, maybe you miss something. <laughs> and then that could be good or bad for you. So it's kind of it's different. Or if you'd like to say you just want to have a weekend with some with some friends, maybe something that's uh more on the light side. Um it's kind of my thought. I separate those two. Chad, what do you prefer? Um uh, I I like both. Uh I think both of them have um equal places as long as everyone is also kind of on the same page uh it's never fun to be that guy that's trying to play something a little bit more fun and then you run into somebody that's playing or testing a strictly tuned uh competitive list in war machine for example like we've all kind of experienced that as we 
going between different things um, or play various games as we grow as players and stuff. And um, but you know, on the on the opposite side of it, something that is light and fun that is also um, that I don't get to play very often in general that I feel like is pretty easy to play uh, is Riot Quest. Um, I think if it if the barrier of entry wasn't so high as far as like the number of miniatures that you need. Uh, in order to get the game going, I think it would be an incredibly great introduction to people, uh, for people into miniatures games, um, because it is fast. Um, it can be played very fast. The rules are pretty light. Um, there's, you know, limited number of actions that you get to play each round, basically, because, uh, you only get so many action dice. Uh, the stats, uh, for attack and damage or, I guess for like health, defense, and movement are all pretty simple. Um, yep. The attack resolution is very simple because it's a strike-based system. You're you know you're counting, you're ro- grabbing the dice that you need, rolling them, and then counting the number of strikes to see do you hit the regular defense, do you hit the higher defense? Okay, if you hit the higher defense, then you do an extra point of damage, and yep. it's always one extra point. Um, and the damage system is also very simple. There's no variability. There's no variability like there is in War Machine, where for each point of damage over the armor, you're doing for each number rolled over the armor, that's how many points of damage you're doing. Um, whereas in uh, in Riot Quest, it's always very simple. It's always one damage unless you meet other conditions for different things. Um, the other thing that's really great about it that I remember Will Hungerford talking about when they first introduced the game is the simplicity of it is every single character in the game has no more than three rules on them, period. They all have three rules or less. Um, Some of them do have, um, you know, one or two attacks. Some of them have ways to get multiple attacks, but they're special abilities. There's only three on each card. And a lot of the, and a lot of times one of those abilities is a repeated ability through all of a certain class. Yeah, like the rogues yeah. all have the ability to move through spaces of other characters. Uh, that is intrinsic of them, and that is one of their three abilities that's always on there. Uh, and then they may have something else. Guards always have the shield guard ability. Fighters always have the charge ability. That those types of things. And like I said, they're on the card. They're just right there on the card. Exactly. You don't need to look at the rule book. Nothing. They're just yeah. laid out. Yep. Well, and they're one sided. Yes. Cards. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to flip to the back. Everything's right there in the front. Yeah, yeah. So right quest yeah. for that. Right quest yeah. has a lot of uh, appeal to it. Yeah, um, and, and like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and it, and it also has complexity to it because of the different heroes and the different styles that they play, mm-hmm. uh, and then you add the right gear in there, and it adds a lot more complexity to the game. Uh, but it does have uh, like a pretty tight but fairly loose rule set, or a pretty. Yeah. Pretty tight, but not yeah. uncrunchy rule set with a lot of depth to it. Exactly, uh, that's what, what you want. Think. I feel like it's yeah. a tight rule set. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not tight loose. Those are yeah. uh, rock, yeah. same axis. Uh, I think we use the word light <laughs> as the opposite light, yeah. of crunchy. Yeah, yeah. I've I've a friend who I have a friend who uses the word chewy. You have uh, yeah. crunchy and chewy, and <laughs> I like that. Yeah, but yeah. I was I I have a problem in that I like a lot of games for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. And so I don't know if I could actually choose 
one that I prefer um, unnecessarily, but um, uh, I mean, but I still I'm, really like War Machine. What, what, what'd you say? I said, I still really like War Machine. Like, I, I like that it is a tighter, yeah. a tighter. Well, no, I was going to answer the question uh, yeah. about kind of what, you know, you guys all answered and I didn't have a chance yet. Yeah. But like, I'm definitely the kind of player who, who likes to uh, chat while we play and I want to, I want to make friends with you while we talk, you know, or, while, you know, rolling dice and moving figures. And so, um, and so sometimes uh, crunchy games are hard to do that with. And um, um, I'm also the kind of player who doesn't like to argue. And so, um, and so loose rule sets would, um, where there's an open for interpretation on some things um, without a third party to be, to be there to adjudicate. Um, you know, um, I would just, I would just pass and say, all right, fine, whatever you think it is, you win, you know? And, and I'm not sure how good of an experience that is for people. It's not a good experience for me necessarily. And so, uh, so maybe I like tight, chewy rule sets. <laughs> <laughs> tight where it's clear what it does, uh, but then, uh, but it's not as crunchy. So, um, which is one of the things that I like um, how Joseph McCullough has has improved Frostgrave. Um, like, you know, second edition of Frostgrave was just released, you know, earlier this year or late last year, I guess. And um and uh they made uh, they made some some what I perceive to be pretty minor changes. And um it's the 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 core, the heart of the game is still there. And and really what he did was just kind of clean it up a little bit. And uh you know Frostgrave was for first edition, I would describe as a light rule set and um but also a loose rule set. And so it was easy to spam and easy to kind of exploit certain things that were there. Um, and I think he was second edition, he tightened it up a bit and, um, and I'm pretty excited about that. So of course, currently we're still playing first edition, but, um, barbarians ruling the field. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, only, and that's one of the things that he does in, um, for hiring your initial war band, you know, he gives you sort of two categories of, of soldiers. Um, and uh, and I don't remember what the categories are off the top of my head, but um, but one of them is kind of your generic soldier, and then the other one is more of your elite that has you know more equipment and better stats and can do cooler things and, and generally costs more too to hire. Yeah, um, quality and, uh, over quantity. And you can only have four of those in your list, and so you can't spam them. You can't have eight barbarians, yeah. you know, in, in your warband or whatever, and uh, and so. Um, so, so things like that, I think are steps towards improvement and it's not all that complicated. All he did was he took one table that took up a, a whole page and made it two small tables that are on a half a page on each side. And so, you know, pick from here, pick from here, maximum four done. You know, it, it's, yeah. it wasn't all that complicated of a fix. So, but I don't know. I think that's, I think that's where I'm at. Yeah, I guess one thing we didn't touch too much was uh, narrative play. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, uh, think a crunchy or a or a light rule sets a little bit better for for narrative or not. Always kind of. Yeah, I think I think a, a lighter rule set probably would be a little better because a lot of times, 
a lot of times what you see, especially with miniatures for narrative, is is you have unique scenarios yeah. that that kind of say, okay, for this scenario, these are the rules that apply here. And yeah. so they, you know, and they may not necessarily jive 100% with the rules of the game itself. Um, and and so you, if you're if you're going to go into narrative play, you kind of have to you, you have to kind of have to know that it's going to be a little bit lighter. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, one side of a crunchy some crunchy narratives could feel kind of railroad, I guess. Whereas this is the direction it's going to go, and you kind of gotta gotta go this way in order to, like you said, match up with like a main game or something. Whereas yeah. a lighter might be a little bit more fun or enjoyable with some freedom to play i would think well when you feel like you have agency like when your actions affect the story yeah yeah well and also the other thing too is like it's kind of interesting to think that narrative play um is more loose or uh kind of a a lighter style of play when narrative is by definition you're telling a story um it's a continuation it's multiple events building on top of each other which means that you are usually gaining experience gaining equipment losing people um gaining injuries which add a lot more complexity to the game because it adds a lot more stuff to track but it's also it's often thought of as a much uh, more light or fun way to play the game like yeah. just even in Frostgrave, like you were talking about earlier, it's like um, in a game of War Machine, if your guys died, they're still alive when you go to the next round or you sit down for the next game. But in right. Frostgrave, because it's a continuing, growing experience, um, there's a chance that something that you've been playing with for four or five games um, gets injured, either critically injured, now they're less effective in the future, or they die and you have to replace them and start over. That's right. And that could be exactly right. that could be a very debilitating situation for something that is very frequently thought of as being a less competitive and more fun uh, variant on playing a miniatures game. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I think. Um, I think it just scratches a, a different itch a little bit. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think what I like to do is extend an invitation to our listeners. Uh, what do you think about uh, our definitions that we came up with? Crunchy versus light, and tight versus loose. Uh, what games do you like to play that fall under those categories, or, or uh, you know, or what games do you prefer? Let us know. Uh, get on our Discord server and uh, and pop the question, and, and let's have the conversation. Uh, we have a, we often have good conversations on our Discord server. So, um, but yeah, uh, this I feel like this topic is one that circles around a lot uh, when yeah. when a new element gets introduced in a game or something, or a new game comes out, like when Warcry came out, um, that you know that, that simplified, you know, um, you know, uh, game workshop very quickly. Yeah. It was very nice. It was a big big selling point for that game. So yeah. But um, but it's something to keep in mind as gamers, right? And so, um, what's uh, what's on your hobby desk? What are you building? What are you painting? Uh, I'm working through my uh, King's Empire, the other side army. Like so I'm doing the scale seventy five, kind of the, the instant color mm-hmm. stuff, and it's going pretty well so far. Um, I, you know what, what I count up, uh, 
a couple dozen trays, right? I should, I should really count how many models there are. There was, let's say, 20-odd trays of units, you know? So Oof. let's say 60, 60 plus or so figures, right? And uh, I've gotten a lot of basing on a lot of them. I've got, you know, a few of them done. I've only put in four to five hours so far. And, you know, I'd say I'm easily a quarter to a third of the way through. Um, wow. Right? I would say I'm impressed by that. And I'm super jealous yeah. <laughs> because my other side army has been built and sitting in the, in the garage for like what, two years now and <sighs> with no paint on it because right. I didn't know anybody had an army and now I know you have an army and I'm going to have to pull it out and start painting it. Yeah. That is, that's what I am. Yeah. Well, it's good. <laughs> I want to play it. It's, it's yeah. a game I want to play. Right. What about um, you, Chad? I have... I have been working on my unit of uh, Space Wolf Assault Intercessors uh, today, actually. I've been putting a bunch of color on them, um, working through them slowly, one color at a time. So um, I've got those that I'm doing, and then I'm going to, uh, once I get them done, I think I'm going to work on getting my Wintertime Wasteland stuff assembled. Um, probably not going to get started, well, if I get it assembled... Um, since the store is closed right now, uh, while we're on, uh, on a vacation, I might be able to go and get some stuff primed in the store and then pick it up the next day. Um, and then, uh, maybe start working on painting them, but that's going to be the next project that I work on once I get nice. done with the, these space wolves stuff. Nice. Try and catch I up. Think. I was, uh, I was putting together an entire list of all of my unpainted miniatures for, a goal to try and work on for 2021. And it is a very, 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 very long list. You're not supposed to do that, Chad. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well, I can lighten the load by just selling my troll army. <laughs> you just got that army. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mostly, I mostly got it because it was trade and it was a, it was a good straight across trade to do. Yeah, yeah. But there's so many troll players out here. I don't know if I want to play them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that is one way of uh, of uh, reducing your list is mm -hmm. reducing your models on the list. Yeah, that's that's over 100 models. Yeah, yeah. It's a, that's a chunk of an army. But if it's possible, I want an all-trolls team for the virtual uh, WTC. You know, <laughs> for further announcement of who can all qualify for that, but I think it'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hmm. yeah well um i'm ashamed because i, I have done uh zero hobbying uh, between our uh, between our last episode and and this one uh yeah. so uh just with the new year's holiday and doing just you know hanging out with laura yeah. and, and stuff laura took a few days off of work which means i took a few days off of work kind of thing or tried to <laughs> I tried to actually, I, I wasn't very good at that. Um, I still ended up working a little bit, but, um, but uh, you know, I have uh, a few new year's resolutions. Um, one of them involves the hobby. And so I aim to uh, make some good progress this year. So it's nice to get started. So, Hey, uh, want to thank you everyone for joining us today and for being a part of the conversation. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you on what you think about uh, di different games that we all play. 
And uh, we would love also for you to tell your friends about us. And so that's the best way for us to get out there and for people to join our community. Um, if you go to spellstormminiatures.com, uh, you can find all of the links for everything, our Facebook page, our Discord server, our t-shirts, our, you can support us there. And uh, we have other links too that we ought to share. Um, we'll get those up too. Um, but uh, thank you for being a part of our community. Also want to put out a plug. If you're on our Discord server, Thursdays, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we host a paint party every week. And it's fun. We just get on and we hobby. And, and while we're hobbying, we talk about random things. And usually someone will post a topic. And, uh, and so we just kind of uh, shoot the breeze about that topic uh, while we all hobby together. And it's a fun way to you know, just keep us accountable and build community. So, uh, so join us there. We would love to see you. Thanks.